my whole mission is like whenever I jump onto something, whether it's a business or fitness or anything that I do, I I get hyper-focused and I'll just become obsessed with it. So like all I'm doing now is becoming obsessed with that community, learning how they talk, learning how, what gamers love, what they enjoy, like what, what things are they looking at? How are they consuming content? And then if I'm able to become part of that community and speak that same language at a level where to where not only am I not just trying to sell them something, but I understand who you are as a person. You're not just a guy or a girl who's just going to buy the supplement and make me money. You're somebody I care about. Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. We are recording under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun. And today I have the distinct pleasure of meeting with the co-host of Feed Me, Feel Me, an entrepreneur here in the Valley. His name is Jeff Thornton, and we're going to learn all his dirty little secrets, get his background, <laughs> learn about his life today, man. So welcome in, brother. Appreciate you coming up. Dude, Jace, thanks for having me, brother, man. It's an honor to be on your show, man. Dude, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you uh, bearing with me through some of the technical difficulties that we had going in. So, <laughs> so thanks so much for that, bro. And uh, I'm excited to learn about your story, man. Obviously, you guys have a fantastic podcast going, and uh, I've listened to quite a few episodes, man, and I'm, I'm such a huge fan of what you guys are doing. And so I want to get the I want to get the whole story, man. Take me through uh, the life of Jeff Thornton, man. Where are you from? How'd you grow up? What would that What did that situation look like? The early days of Jeff, huh? That's it, baby. <laughs> dude, but I say thank you for allowing me to be on your show, man. It's awesome uh-huh. to be in your presence as always, dude. Much appreciated. And it, was just, it was dope meeting you on our show, man. So it's fun to fun to be on Hard Water and have our discussion, dude. Oh yeah, man, for sure. I appreciate you. Yeah. So a little bit about me. So I was born and raised in Alamogordo, New Mexico. I'm currently 31 years old, and I'm the last of six kids and a family of eight. So I'm the baby of the family. Wow. Yeah. Six <laughs> kids, man. Yeah. So it was, it was coming up, I was, uh, I'm a product of a military family. My dad's retired Air Force, mm-hmm. and my mom's a registered nurse out there in Alamogordo still. So grew up in the, the rural lands of the desert in Alamo. I was born on Holloman Air Force Base. Really? So specifically, one of the last generations born or one of the last babies born on that base uh, because they shut down the hospital. Now it's more of like a general practitioner hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a great experience growing up, man, being the last of six kids because I got to watch my brothers and sisters, you know, go through like the successes and lessons of life. So I essentially say like my life has been easy because of them because they cut down the path for me in life. Like oh, I really? got to see the lessons that they did and like they would impart the wisdom on me. Like Jeff, try do do this, don't do that. You know, watch out for these, you know, these bumps in the road. And it made my life a lot easier. Like there was times I went off path, but for the most part, you know, learning from them made my life and my trajectory a lot easier to put me in the situation where I am today. So I'm really grateful for being the last of six and watching my mentors, which were my, you know, my siblings, you know, teach me the lessons along the way. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. So you guys grew up pretty tight then? Yeah, we're a really tight family. So it, it's funny, we break up in, in the 10 year separation. So there's the first three, which are, was my sister Fawn, my brother Trey and Voight. And then 10 years later, become along my twin sisters, Tiara and Tempest, and myself, I'm the last one. So we're a year apart, my twin sisters and myself, and then the other three are 10 years ahead. But we've always had that close family bond. Because um, in our family, everything was like the military background. Like my, the first three moved around a lot around the country. Mm-hmm. My parents were born in the South during like the civil, civil rights movement and all oh, that really? stuff. Yeah. So my dad was in Vietnam. Wow. And so like... Everything was about, you know, community, closeness, family. So it, everything we did was in, the, in our own home. We didn't look too much outside it, so we just helped build each other up. And so everything to me has just been like close-knit community and like that loving family atmosphere. 
Mm, that's so that's so beautiful, man. I feel like today a lot of a lot of times when we think we're close to people using some of the tools that we have available to us, we're mm. actually not. Like right. I think some of these social media tools are actually creating separation. What what's your thought on that? I agree, man. It's it's almost a facade and it's it's creating a lot of anxiety I see because mm. somebody I look at, you know, a post where I like oh where I'll use myself as an example, like I'll travel somewhere, go to Hawaii and they'll see, Oh, I'm on the beach and it's like the majority of like the 95% of the time I'm working, but I'll take that one shot at the beach and then they'll look at my life and like comment and say, Hey, I wish I could do what you're doing. You know, like tell me how you got to that point. It's like, well, like I'm working like my ass off right now. I'm still staying up all night. You're just seeing the bright side of what I'm doing. And that's majority of what people see. They don't see the back end work that goes into, you know, going on these trips or like what it takes or what you're doing on the back end. They just see that highlight reel essentially. And it's creating a lot of anxiety. Like I'm not where I'm supposed to be, mm. you know, and it's comparing yourself to somebody else's life. It's like, I'm running my race. Like you have to run your race and it's nobody's either behind or ahead of you. You are exactly where you're supposed to be in my idea. Like, and you just can't compare one person's path to the next because you're never going to be the same person. Right. Yeah. And so for like, sure. that's what I've been seeing a lot on the, the social media aspect is like these kids are growing up and having nieces and nephews. I'm trying to like teach them. It's just like, run your race, like do what you want to do, decide what that is and follow that path. Because are you trying to like, you don't want to necessarily consume somebody else's story and take it as your own. You want to create your own story and live the life that your destiny lived and that you want to live. Super valuable, you know? man. Yeah. Did you learn that early on? Was that something that you learned being part of a close knit family or was it something that you acquired later? I, I see a lot yeah. of people, you know, in your generation and younger, who, you know, they think everything is, is Insta everything, you know, mm -hmm. Insta famous, you know, I've got an Insta Lamborghini, I've got an Insta <laughs> bank account, you know, it's got to happen tomorrow, yeah. but everyone's starting in a different place. Right. It started young for me because my dad, my dad and I are very close. We're, when my sisters and stuff were at school in elementary, him and I would go around doing our adventures around town. Um, so similar to you, we're huge collectors. Uh, instead of comic books, we do action figures. Nice. Our first one was Thor, the action figure. Then it went on to Wolverine with the the brown and the, the gold yeah, or the brown yeah. and the yellow. Oh, so yeah. old school stuff, man. So we ran our escapades then. Um, but along those escapades, he would tell me just like the lessons that he learned through his life of like not comparing yourself to people. Like you're going to get knocked down. It's like let the small things fall off your back type mm -hmm. of mentality. So he just always dialed in like what is it that you want to do and find what that is and just go after it. He's like because you're not trying to impress myself, your mom, your brothers and sisters. He's like you got to do what's best for Jeff. And so it was a part of me like when I was young. And then just going through up, going through life, you know, it's you fall into the trap when you're going through school. You know, you're going through your your social dynamics and all that stuff. Where you look at somebody like, oh, they're living. They look like they're living the life. The Lamborghinis, the the hot women, <laughs> this and this. Like, I want that life and I want it now. Yeah. So I did fall into that trap when I was like early age, but eventually, you know, just came back to my basics and said, what is it that Jeff loves? You know, like mm -hmm. clear out all the fat. You know, trim it down. Get back to basics and say. What are the foundations I was built on? What are my principles? And then go from there. Where did you develop those principles and, and what are they? Is it just from experience or was it your dad imparting that knowledge as a young man? It was a lot of different things. So it was, it was a lot of my family imparting it as, as a young man, like growing up. But then it was learned along the way as well because my whole thing was coming up. I always wanted that Lamborghini when I was in that teenage years. Like I want the Lamborghini, but I never understood why I wanted a Lamborghini, right? And the experience where I was working at SAP in Philly back in 2013, I mo we moved from Albuquerque, New Mexico, flew out to Philly, and then got the job out there. And I was living in Philadelphia for a year. 
And down the street from uh, the office was a McLaren dealership. And so I would drive past this McLaren dealership every single day and just like, that's the car I want. This is the one I've been dreaming about for years. Like this Lamborghini, because they had Lamborghinis, McLarens, all that stuff. Sure. And then I finally, one weekend said, you know what, forget it. I'm going to go to the dealership and I'm going to sit my ass in the car. So I get to the dealership and I'm essentially laughed off the lot, you know, because the guy walks out, Hey, you, what are you doing today? I was, Oh, I'm just checking out some cars. And he knew I didn't have the money or anything. He's just sure. like, okay, when you're done, you know, just be sure to just leave the lot or whatever, you know? And I was just like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was like, damn. What are you going to do camp yeah, out there? You know, and it's like, I was like, whatever, dude. Like, and that, that would like fuel my passion to be like, you know, I'm going to be super successful. But, right. but I actually, I got a chance to sit in that Lamborghini mm -hmm. and then I set in it, this car that I've been dreaming about since I was like a kid. And I was like, I'm not fulfilled. Like this isn't it. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's sweet ride, but this isn't it. Like, I don't want this. And for years I was chasing that goal, that dream and to sit in. And I was like, I was chasing something that is going to leave me empty in the end. Mm. So then I've went back to myself. Like when I got to the, my apartment at the time, one bed, one bath, sleeping on an air mattress, I said, what is it that I really enjoy in life? And I had to sit there and write for hours and like, it's family, love, positivity, helping fitness and all these things that had to do with no monetary or, um, type of material value, it all came back to my, my family and people, love and fitness. And so that's when I just started like, getting rid of all the other stuff and saying, okay, let's get back to, let's, let's focus in on to what means something to you that actually creates an emotion, like where I actually had to have tears well up in my eye or even cry or whatever. And so that's what it was for me. But I had to get that experience of actually jumping in that car and seeing like, this wasn't the end goal for me. It was just, I was taking somebody else's story and saying, applying it to my life because success, what I thought was having the big mansion, having the car to show off to the girls, to the people, to show I'm successful. I have the Lamborghini. Let me show you how successful I am. And it's completely different. That shifted my mindset from that day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think a lot of people have that that idea that success is material based right. only. And it seems to me that it's too narrow a focus. Right. Um, you know, I, when I was telling you my story, I told you that, you know, half of my family came from money the other half didn't. We were mm -hmm. always in the middle and I saw misery on both sides. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so that's, that was what did it for me. Um, but when you, when you, you said something profound, you said when you sat in that, that Lamborghini, you knew that wasn't it. Mm -hmm. What did you know in that moment? What did you learn in that moment? In that moment? It's just, it was, it was just one of those things like, this is, it wasn't going to fill any, any gaps that I had in my life. Like I wasn't even full emotionally at that point. It was just another object, another trophy to have on the wall essentially. Mm -hmm. And it came to the point where like, who am I trying to impress with this vehicle? Are my parents going to be more impressed? No. Are my family, is my siblings going to be more impressed? No. Will the people that I work with be more impressed for a second when I drive past them? And then it'll be like to hell with it. It's done. I'm like go on with their life. So it turned like, like that Dave Ramsey saying, you're buying the things you can't afford with the money you don't have to impress the people that you don't like. And I came to that realization is like, I'm trying to impress everybody for just to make them, to make myself feel good. And it's like, what the hell am I doing that for? Like, that's just a selfish, it was a selfish goal for me. I'm not saying cars or anything is a bad thing. If you want it, like, and that's your vision for it, go after it and go get it. But for me at that time, I was doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. And like sitting in that car, I knew it was for the wrong reasons because I was just trying to show off, but not necessarily show up and do the hard work at that point. For sure. Yeah. I think there's a nuanced distinction that a lot of people don't make. It's like, Hey, some people have cars because they genuinely love cars. Right. Like it's like something that's meaningful to them. Right. right. It, it represents something for them. 
And then there's what you're talking about where you just wanted this thing because you wanted to make other people jealous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Feel better about yourself. Yeah. Right? It's, 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 uh, I think that's one of those things where it's important to realize the distinction. Cause like you said, there's nothing wrong with a car. Mm-hmm. It's nothing wrong with anything material, no. but at the end of the day, what fills you up? Right. You know, that's the important piece. Yeah. You're absolutely right, man. And you know, when you finally get to that point of understanding that it's just like, and it's, it's doing like the deep work, like the seven layers deep of like going to like creating that emotion behind whatever, whatever it is that you're trying to achieve, like that goal, that material, that ambition. It's like you have to go layers deep and extract what is the root cause for me to want this thing, this idea of success. Mm-hmm. And it's like if it's not if it doesn't resonate with you at your core, you're, it's just going to be just another you know piece of paper on the wall or goal. And it's like, it does not going to mean anything to you in the end. You're just going to be empty. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's how I, I, came, I came to that resolution. I was like, oh man, it, it's a tough path, man. Cause like trying to uncover that, those layers, it's tough. Totally, you man. Know? So as you were going through this process and you know, you're working for SAP and, and this, yeah. that, and the other thing, what was it that led you away from that life? What was it that led you into that, say that world of, Hey, I want to do something for me. Mm, that's a good question. So when I was working at SAP, it's still at this time, I'm still, I was still a hyper-focused money individual. Uh, I, I would, I wrote a post the other day, say from 21 to the age of 31 now, and it, it all became from a revelation. I'll talk about it here in a second. But for that part of my life is like, I was so money focused. I wrote in college, like I want to be a billionaire. And so it's just, that was my driving factor to make as much money as I could as fast as possible. Right. And by any means necessary. So with that path is like, I, I got a computer science and mathematics degree. Because being a kid, I wanted to Dodge Viper. My dad, my dad and my brothers told me, if you want that car, you're going to have to get a, a specialized degree to achieve that that vehicle. I said, okay. So I'm going to do the engineering route, go to the computer science route, get the government jobs and see they're not paying that much. Like what I was told I was going to get paid to afford this car. What's the next thing? Leave Los Alamos, go to SAP. SAP's you know, a private company, the you know, second or the number one largest uh, enterprise software company in the world. I know I can make a lot of money here get there and making $66,000 and like, okay. I talked to one of the guys who was, was there for a long time consultant, 15, 20 years said, what's it take to make $120,000 here? He's like, yeah, I'll tell you what, man. He's like, I'm work, I've been working here 15 years and I don't even make $120,000. And then I was like, huh? Okay. But my goal is to be a mega successful billionaire. How in the heck am I going to get to money? If you're, you've been in the game 15 years, and I'm just a brand new guy trying to get to this point and you're not even there. So I started looking through, when you get on projects at SAP, it's super transparent. You can uh, look at the, the SOPs or like the, the statement of work and all that stuff mm-hmm. as a consultant. And they list out all your bill rates for every consultant on the project, how much time is allocated towards you on a project. And I, would looked at, I looked at what I was getting billed at. I was getting billed at $367 an hour, but I was getting paid $66,000 as a, as a job, but I was working 120 hour weeks. So when it breaks down, I was making $15 an hour. Right. Right. But working myself to the rim, like to the, to the nub. And so I looked at that situation. I said, well, if I'm getting billed at this and I'm one of one of four developers worldwide at that time on the environmental health and safety software, why don't I try and do this myself Mm -hmm. and, you know, maximize not only my time, but my earning potential. And that led me to branching off into starting Thornton Consulting. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sure. And I got that, um, I got that uh, the insight to do that from a good friend, James Wood, who owns Bodart Consulting, based in Dallas, Texas. Him and I were on a project in uh, Houston, or the Woodlands to be specific, um, at an oil and gas company. 
And he's just like, you know, he's like, what you're getting paid compared to what you're, the amount of work you're doing. He's like, you're, it's highway robbery. He's like, I'll show you a path to, you know, you know, increasing your value and doing what you want to do. And so just from learning and having him as my mentor, he helped me get Thornton Consulting off the ground. I did some subcontracting with him as like he subcontracted Thornton Consulting and I did projects. And from there, I was like, went with my, went my own path and just started forging my own way from there. That's awesome. Yeah. Man. So it was, it was an interesting way, but it was from that time on, it was just like trying to get as much money as, uh, as I could in the fastest way possible. Right. So not a whole lot of ethics involved at that point. Yeah, pretty much. I, yeah. w- I would say not just a whole wanted lot. Just wanted the cash. Just wanted the cash. <laughs> and I, I was passionate about it because it was getting me closer to the goal of making more money. Sure. So it was like the work I was doing was exceptional. I didn't cut corners. Everything I did was within ethical, like an ethical way. But when you think about my end goal was to make as much money possible, it was like, was I creating more value in companies? Yeah, but I was helping them do what they did. But was I passionate about the work I was doing? Mm. Not necessarily. I'm happy because I'm making money, but I didn't really love programming. I did it because I knew it could make money. I'm in the tech game. I like tech, but I'm not like, uh, I don't live and breathe. I don't wake up like, oh, let me program today. It's like, what do I love? And it's like, after project after project after project, the passion started to wane. And I said, you know, I love fitness. I love working out. I don't like necessarily teaching fitness, but I love getting my body in shape. And that comes from my athletic background. I said, what is it that I can do once I'm done with this consulting stuff or tech to align with my passions? And because you start getting older, I just started thinking a little bit more like, this isn't something I want to do for the rest of my life, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's what led out, led out to, you know, ending the consulting company in 2017, December, 2017, sold all my contracts and then started land of lean, which was based in the the health and fitness space. Um, started making foam rollers and a a good friend of mine, Matt Clark, he owns amazing.com. He led me to it because he's like, you know, you can make money on Amazon private labeling products and scaling from there. So it, I knew I didn't want to do coaching or any of that. So I was like, well, I can make private label products in the health and fitness space. Let me do that. Mm-hmm. And so I went down that path. And last year was just like nuts, man. I got lawsuits happened. I got a patent infringement on the roller. So like last year was all legal stuff. Wow. And then at the end of that, I was like, at the end of the last year, I was just drained. But I was in the place that I loved. I loved the health and fitness space. I was finally there. But it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do in fitness. I was doing the same thing as I did in consulting, taking a product, looking at a market and exposing the market, but doing the back end work. I can scale the back end, but essentially I was private label labeling products that are essentially they're, they're great products, but they're not the best products ever. Like you could go get a foam roller anywhere. Sure, right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so I started looking at that and I say, man, start peeling back some layers and like, man, this is, I'm just doing the same thing. It's just a money grab. It's just a money grab. And so it's like, I fast forward to two weeks ago, I went to a mastermind by Jason Phillips who owns iron three nutrition out here. And he invited me to the, the mastermind because it was, a uh, uh, he was on our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just like, you know, come check out this one day seminar and see what you guys think about it. So, uh, Durs, my co-host, and I went and the dude that day, like changed. when I say like changed the trajectory, like as of to like where we are now, it was like a life changing experience. Eight people in a room, you go three hot seats for that one eight hour session, but he's peeling back your business as you're on this hot seat. So I start discussing land of lean within like what we're doing. Yeah, we're, we sold foam rollers, the lawsuits, blah, blah, blah. And now we're rebranding as a supplement company. And the supplement I'm going to launch is L-carnitine. Why L-carnitine? Just because 
supplements have high margins. Right. I know a manufacturer that can private label that, that they have great quality ingredients. And I'll put my label on it and I'm going to scale it because I understand how to scale from the back end. He's like, that's all good and well, but that's bullshit. He's like, you're putting your reputation at risk for, you know, your brand and yourself. He's like, because you're putting out mediocre products that aren't custom formulated. He's like, all in the chase of money. And that's when they revealed to me again, it's like, I'm just chasing money again. So he was just reminding you that your purpose wasn't, wasn't in alignment with what you really wanted? Absolutely. And you hadn't thought about that? I haven't thought about it. I'm really? just running through the race, you know, like entrepreneuring, like I had a successful tech business, sold all my contracts. Hell yeah. Like, let's go to the next thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get in fitness. I understand the marketing. Like, let's, let's take what my friend Matt Clark taught me on Amazon, scale a business, launch one supplement, launch two, scale, 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 make a shitload of money mm -hmm. and, and just like try to exit the company. Right. And that was the goal because that's the mindset is build like, it and sell it. Yeah. Build and sell. And then you're putting out the private labeling because you're not custom formulations are expensive mm -hmm. when you're doing contract manufacturing. So the, the fastest way to get product to market for, you know, as little as possible is private labeling from a manufacturer that already does this stuff. But that conversation that day revealed like, I'm not in alignment again. Right. And so <clears throat> what we did as we're talking, he's like, what's your, like, what are you passionate about? It went back to, like you mentioned childhood. What do I love to do? I loved playing video games. Why? Because when I played video games, I was always with my brothers and sisters, my family. It was a community. We loved playing those games and just like, it was that bond that was built. I love fitness. I love working out nutrition, supplements, all that stuff. Why don't I combine these two markets that I'm completely passionate about and, you know, build something from the ground up now. Let's and build something that's like custom. That's really going to help people that I put my heart, my heart and full energy into and passion that isn't about money. It's about creating value in a space that I'm passionate about that's underserved, but it's also going to help people in a massive way without even thinking about the monetary side of things. So as you were talking, one of the things that was coming to mind was this idea of reputation. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think uh, obviously it's very easy if you have the right connections to have someone manufacture something for you, slap a label on it. Right. Right. And make it look all pretty. Yeah. Get your pretty website going and start marketing. Mm -hmm. But what you're talking about doing is a complete 180 from that. I mean, you're talking about spending lots of money on development. Mm -hmm. Lots of money, lots of extra money on production that maybe you hadn't considered in the past. Right. So it sounds like you had to shift your entire business model to sort of wrap your mind around this direction that you wanted to go. Absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head. It was just, it was a complete shift in everything. Because as I'm thinking, I had clarity on this company, Land of Lean, that's this supplement company. I love it. It's a, it's a passion project for me. But it was, like you said, it didn't align. It's just like there was still something missing, but I couldn't put the dots together, you know, um, I couldn't put my finger on it. Mm -hmm. And then when we had this mastermind, it's just like, okay, it exposed that blind spot that I knew was there, but it was finally brought into, into my, into my mirror. Like I could finally see where I was missing. And so it was like, yeah, let's tear it from the ground out. So we, I, as of what last week, dude, from after our show, really? I closed land of lean, the company and put it on a hold. And now I'm starting a new company that's targeted at esports and gamers that's going to be still nutritional supplements, but it's nootropic based. So it's going to have a nootropic for clarity mm -hmm. and vision like that. But it's also going to have a calm, like a calming supplement to where you can take them up and where they're super hyper-focused during the game, but they also need to come down without being on Red Bulls and stuff all day. So now we're going to have like a sleep um, supplement that aids them into calming and getting better sleep. So Dude. it's thinking about preserving that athlete because when you think about the esports market, these kids aren't just like nerds playing behind a controller. 
they're, that's their full-time job. That's their passion. That's their, their career. That's their life. And they have to be just as well balanced as an NFL athlete, as a CrossFitter, but serving them with a nutritional supplement that's actually great for them and is going to help them become better gamers and put like the control back in their hands. Yeah, that is super interesting. And I want to dive down that rabbit hole. Before we do, though, I'm curious because in your story, um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs talk about when they go from that uh, steady paycheck into the world of hunt for your own food, mm-hmm. that there's some fear and some barriers that they encounter. Yeah. But that was lacking from your story. So I'm curious if that was something you experienced or because of your connections, it's something you were able to bypass altogether. Yeah, it was, it's a little bit of both actually. Um, so I was able to bypass it because of the, the connections and the support system I have, like my parents, I talk to them every week and just, they're, they're just like, they're super supportive. So that gave me the comfort of like, I'm not failing. It's just a lesson. Like how can I learn from, you know, where I, whatever mistake that I made, you know, what can I learn from that situation? But also having that community to support me in this new endeavor, but then sitting at home, like I can talk to these people and have that mindset, like I'm ready to go. But then in the back of my mind at night, I was sitting there thinking like, what the hell am I doing? Like, this is something in a day I thought I had clarity on building this one company. And the next day we tear it all the way down and start something from the ground up. The fear did kick in. Like, (laughs) Now I have 90 days as the timeline to launch this new company. Right. I have no idea. Like I understand nutrition. I know gaming. I don't know competitive gaming. I don't know about esports. I don't know the jargon. How am I going to get it in front of these people? How am I truly going to help them? How am I going to get everything formulated for them? I don't know nootropics. I don't know recipe development. Like what am I going to do? So fear did actually kick in. So it was a little bit of both. I had the, you know, the support system, the comfort from the mastermind and family, but I also did have the fear of like, I'm letting something go and starting something from the ground up that I have no idea how to start, you know, and just bad. That was, it was a, it was a battle and it's still a battle to be honest with you. It's because that's the thing. It's like, um, as you're, as you're going through these adventures, you, you are never, you're never too success. So successful that your next venture won't fail. Right. Everybody is, you know, just cause you did great in one thing doesn't mean the next thing won't bomb. Right. That's right. And so it's one of those things that kick in. Like I asked myself, like, Will this be successful? Will I be, what, who am I the person I need to be right now? Like, or who's the person that I need to become right now to launch something that's going to be valuable and successful to this community? Mm-hmm. Like what person do I need to mold myself into to create the most value in this, in this space and help others? And what answer did you come up with when you asked yourself that question? I'm still, I'm still, <laughs> answering, I'm still asking myself that question. It's a, but I, I came up to the, you know, to the decision to become hyper-focused in that industry. So mm-hmm. My whole mission is like whenever I jump onto something, whether it's a business or fitness or anything that I do, I I get hyper-focused and I'll just become obsessed with it. So like all I'm doing now is becoming obsessed with that community, learning how they talk, learning how, what gamers love, what they enjoy, like what, what things are they looking at? How are they consuming content? And then if I'm able to become part of that community and speak that same language at a level where to where not only am I not just trying to sell them something, but I understand who you are as a person. You're not just a guy or a girl who's just going to buy the supplement and make me money. You're somebody I care about. Right. You're somebody I, I, I can vibe with. We speak the same language. We love the same passions. We love the same things. I understand who you are and like becoming obsessed with the person, not just like a client, just not another dollar sign at this point. Yeah, for sure. I, l- I love the word obsession. I think it gets a you know, bad rap at times. Right. But I think it also does something else. Like you mentioned the word hyper-focused. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's something that you really want and you're focused on it, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to obsess about it. That's right. just the way it works. And as I'm listening to you tell this story, one of the concepts that comes to mind for me mm-hmm. is 
this idea that you don't know. Like there's all this shit that you don't know. <laughs> yeah. And you're sitting here saying, I'm going to do this, but I don't know this, 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 and this, mm-hmm. right? And there's this idea that, you know, you can only learn when you're in this place of chaos or you can only learn when you're in this place of the unknown right. because what you already know is familiar to you, right? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, it's one of these things that people get really flipped out about, man, really fearful of, of like stepping into that unknown place mm-hmm. and then having to create something there, look stupid, feel bad about yourself, watch yourself fail right. many, many times before you have that success. And uh, dude, your story is just mirroring that like step by step by step by step. But it's also cool because you're saying, you know what? I may not know, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, I can go find out. Right, right. And it's just the same. Like you, you understand the journey because you're building your company, Hardwater. And it's just like there's gonna be things, and you have to you have to expose yourself and let people know that you're not the all-knowing being, and be willing to be vulnerable to accepting that information. And like as you mentioned, you have to be malleable in these moments. Mm-hmm. Like take take feedback, take criticism, because if you think that you know everything, you can't learn anything. And so just going into a situation where I'm saying like, I'm vulnerable, like I'll make a post that says, here's what happened. I'm letting go of land of lean. This was something that I, that I love. I was super passionate about. And I'm starting this new company from the ground up. How embarrassing is that? Like on the front end, when you're thinking about that, like I'm talking to my audience of people who connect with me. I don't really, I don't call people followers. It's like my, my crew, my community, like people who connect with me mm-hmm. and I'm telling them full transparency that. I'm starting something from the ground up and I don't know what the hell is going on. And I'm shutting down something that I've been pitching for a year and a half to, you know, and it's like, that's embarrassing. That can be an embarrassing thing. But I believe in that transparency. I believe in that vulnerability of saying like, you know, this is what happened. Like I went through lawsuits. I went through the patent infringements and this and this, but I'm not dead. Like I can still wake up. I'm breathing. I'm healthy. I'm happy. My family's doing well. That's just one of the things that happen in life. You mm-hmm. know, it's not a beautiful Instagram story on me on the beach in Hawaii of taking a picture. Like now I'm surfing <laughs> now. Like I started a new company. Like this is, you guys want to live this life. Let's live this to right. too. Like I'm here at ground zero with you. Like, and we're going, I'm going to show you everything I'm doing to build this company, like from the ground up. And if it, if I can give you the tips or tell you what I'm going through and it can help you start your company and business, man, that's even better because I want to see everybody grow from my lessons. Like what I'm learning, somebody else can learn from. 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's just being vulnerable, man. That's the biggest thing. And it's like, I've always been trying to understand for the past few years, like the true essence of like what vulnerability means, because you hear all the influencers like a Gary Vee say like, you know, be vulnerable. And then I was always asking myself, what's like, what do you mean be vulnerable? Like, mm-hmm. what's that look like? And there's no example. Like just tell, tell something is like, but what's, what's true vulnerability? Is it just like, Oh, my day sucks. This and this, my cat died. Da, da, da. Is that true vulnerability? Is that, is that just like throwing your, you know, your problems at the world? Yeah. What's the difference between being vulnerable and being a whiner? Yes, exactly. You hit the nail on the head. You <laughs> see, you said it clear and concise. That was perfect. And it's like trying to find those lines of like what true vulnerability meant for myself. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's just like telling that situation as authentically as I can saying, Hey, this is what the heck happened with me and what's happening but I'm going to take you along the journey of what I'm doing. And it's like showing you that no matter where you are, whether you, you know, you're working in a job or you're starting on your own path, we all have the same fears. We're all going through something similar. It doesn't matter if you have 10 zeros behind your name or no, no money behind your name. That doesn't matter. We're all humans at the end of this day. You can feel free to connect with me because I'm going through the same situations. You I have this, I have the same fears. I have the same negative thoughts that run through my head, 
but here's what I'm doing to combat those limitations or those limiting beliefs that I have about myself, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and battling through it. For sure. And so you bring up a great concept right there, this idea of limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. and fears. We all experience that. We all have those. What's one that you've been tangling with or that you've tangled with in the past? Oh man, that's a good question, Jason. (laughs) That's such a good question. Oh, I think one that I've really battled with and I thought about it the other day, it was, um, am I truly worthy of my success? Ooh, Am that I truly hard, worthy? doesn't it? Yeah. Because I, I think about things that happen in life and I say like, why would I be able to achieve this? Why me? I'm just a guy from small Alamogordo, New Mexico, family of eight, last of six kids. Like, why do I deserve success? Why can't, why should I be where Bill Gates is? Why should I be where like a Warren Buffett is? I can't do that. Can I? No, I'm not smart enough. And like, you know, working through that mirror and like looking at myself in the mirror and saying like, you are worthy of success. Like somebody's, somebody's made a successful business from where you are. Somebody is started this company from where you are. Like I walked in the store with my brother or he, he was at Quicken Loans. I walked into the office building and I was just like, it just hit me. I walked up the, the elevators, this big, beautiful building in downtown Phoenix and they're nationwide or whatever, worldwide probably. And I said, you know, the cool thing is, man, I said, somebody envision this from their, their garage like as a concept in their head and right now we're in their office building uh, it's in the central downtown uh phoenix with you know 20 story 20 story building somebody visualized this in their head and believe they could achieve it it's like if they were able to do that why can't i do the same thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know yeah for sure do you do much vision work i have i haven't done it um early in life but i've started doing a lot more of it where I sit down because meditation is not something that I've done. I want to get better at it. Mm-hmm. I always felt like I, we talked about it on our show. It's like, as I sit down and meditate, all these thoughts are running through my head. It's like, damn it, I'm not meditating. <laughs> but, but you find out that that is meditation. You just right. have to let the free, the free flow thought. But visualization is something that, that I do very often where I just sit back. I'll put music in my headphones. I like putting on headphones because it drowns out the exterior sound for me. I can just focus in. If it's just white noise, the ocean, me, just hip hop music, whatever it is. And I just start thinking and getting myself into that feeling of what that day will look like. Like I'll get to super granularity. Like I'm waking up at 4.43 a.m. I stretch my right finger first and wake up, stretch my body. My chest, my left chest is tight. I put my feet on the ground. I, I feel the texture of the carpet under mm-hmm. my feet. Then I wake up, turn the coffee on. I smell that it's Folgers, this and this. The cinnamon is in the air. I turn the shower on the left. And like I start getting super descriptive with it. So why are those details so important to you? Because I can imagine it like a movie. Okay. Like, because that's why I think I love about like hip hop. Like that's st- the storytelling within like, if you listen to the lyricism, mm-hmm. like some people, everybody has the booty shaking songs and I, I get that. <laughs> but listening to like the true origin of any genre of music that you listen to, the underlying story about where that person came from. And you can hear like when somebody's really telling that in-depth story of their pain and their struggles and like how they've been able to come out of it it's the layers and the texture to that story that it's so vivid to you. Like you can almost taste it. Like when I get into like a song, like I think of 50 cent, one of my favorite rap artists, but when he was speaking with like his passion, I could feel the passion and like the, the heat that he was experiencing in that time. And like, I could feel myself in his body, like on the streets doing what he was doing. Not necessarily like when like, the killing of the people or selling drugs and stuff, but I could visualize it. Mm-hmm. And so like, if I can visualize their story, I need to be able to visualize mine first because mm-hmm. it's easy to look at somebody else from an exterior and say like, Oh, it's Warren Gate, where, you know, Warren Buffett's living a fantastic life. I can live that same 
that type of life as well, but I haven't visualized it to that, to that level of granularity. So I have to put myself in that moment, like create my own movie to make it become real to me. I love what you had to say about that, man, because it, uh, to me, when I'm going into that detail, what I am doing is I'm looking for the feeling, right? I'm looking for what's going to move me. Mm -hmm. And I'm the same as you, man, like a good story from a song of any type, a good story from a movie of any type, man, Mm -hmm. I get moved to tears. I get moved to emotion. I feel it. I feel the anger. I feel whatever they were feeling in that moment. And I'm not me in that place. Mm -hmm. And that that's beautiful. I think, um, going through that visualization of seeing yourself that detailed, man, that's really necessary to create that feeling. Right. Do you take it further though? Do you go like not for just the day, but do you go for the week, for the month, for the year? Do you go 10 years down the line? What do you see Mm. when you visualize? How far do you go? I'm usually, I'm a very short term guy when it comes to visualization. Like I go three month blocks. So three, six, nine. And I don't, I don't usually go longer than a year um, right now because five years to me, it feels so distant, even though it's not that far, you know, I like visualizing in chunks for myself because that's what keeps me the most focused. Like in doing this three month period for building this new company, the gaming company, gaming supplement company, I'm visualizing in June what it's going to feel like having the package in my hand and the first consumers getting this product and like the sensation of like somebody created something that's like they understand me. So I'm like having that narrative in my head now of like what that day is going to feel like mm-hmm. and then extending it out to that year time frame. But yeah, like I haven't even got to the point to where I've gone past that year point. Mm-hmm. I would think it would, for me, I, I could see the advantages of doing that because it's like playing that long-term game now coming from where I did of, being so money focused for all these years, but from like 21 to 31 or 18 to 31 now, having that short-term game in mind has been such a huge, or been one of those limiting factors in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing the long-term vision is, you know, more advantageous for me to think now of like creating that legacy, you know, something that lives beyond me, even after like I'm dead, that's something I can pass down to my nieces and nephews, kids, family, whomever, having that, I, I definitely want to get to that level of granularity, but I haven't gotten there yet. Oh, that's beautiful, man. There's a, as you're, as you're, as you're talking, I'm thinking about something that uh, Joe Dispenza was talking about okay. in some of his books. Are yeah. you familiar with his work? I at am. All? Yes. So there's one of his books. It's called, I think it's called becoming supernatural. That's yeah, Yes. Have you, have you been into that one? No, it's, it's actually, I'm reading that tomorrow. It's oh, crazy yeah? that you mentioned that. That's so wild. Man, great minds, right? <laughs> I'm reading it right now. Okay. And, uh, as I was listening to you talk and you're talking about waking up in the morning at what'd you say? 4:43, yeah. like getting really specific <laughs> about it. Um, he, he, he makes this distinction of how people choose to become, right? Mm. Like how do we become right? Like everyone says, do this, do that. But what does it actually look like? Right. And what most people end up doing is they wake up in the morning and they remember who they were the day before mm. they start thinking about that meeting and how they don't like that person because of something happened the day before yeah. going to that job that they don't like because of the traffic that they experienced the day before mm-hmm. they're living their past into the present uh. and creating in that moment, that same future over and over and over again. Yeah. And what you're doing, man, you're taking it and you're taking it to the next level and you're saying, no, yesterday's yesterday. Mm-hmm. This is what I want my today and my tomorrow to look like and I have to create that in the now. Right. Is that something that you're very aware of? Yeah. Now, I love how you, you presented that beautifully, man. Seriously. It is. I'm super aware of it now because for a long time that was uh, something that held me back was holding on to grudges, anger. Um, it's because my whole thing was like, I'm big on... Um, what do you, what I would say? Loyalty. Loyalty is a huge thing in my life. And there's been times where people have been disloyal to me. Where I felt like they were disloyal to me. 
during like college and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I held on to these, this animosity, this grudge for such a long time, but it's like, who's that hurting? That's not hurting them. It's hurting me. I'm carrying that weight. And it's going, it's, it's playing over into every, every area of my life day in, day out. And I'm attracting the things that I don't want in my life, you know? So letting go of that baggage and saying, okay, I forgive whoever this is, whoever happened. I forgive myself for being this person in that moment. Like what role did I play in that situation? Instead of blaming, I've said, what role did I play to make that circumstance happen? Like, it's my fault that this is, this is occurred that way, you know, because my thought process or my, you know, my role in that caused this situation to happen. And me, by, by me holding on to this grudge, this animosity, that's not me being mad at them. It's me being mad at myself for not being that developed person in that situation. Right. 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 At, at what point do you say it's all my fault? Is it everything in your life? Is it nothing in your life? Is it some things in your life? Like, you know, Tom Bill, has this yeah. great shirt that he wears. Is, it's all my fault. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and he gets a lot of flack for mm-hmm. it. And uh, that you made me remember that when you were t- telling that story about taking responsibility. What are your thoughts? It's everything. Everything that I do is, is my fault, my responsibility, you know, and because I believe that putting, giving myself that, that ownership of whatever happens to me is that's the, that's the control. Even if something happened to me, I was some way involved in this. My, what was my role? What was my mindset? I attracted this circumstance in my life, right? But having that, uh, that ownership also gives me leverage to think about adjusting that, that situation. What could I have done better? What lessons can I learn from the situa- situation? Instead of making it a positive or a negative, just take it as a learning lesson, right? you know? And, but I've, I take ownership on everything that I do and like anything that comes my way. So what do you say to the person who's, who feels like they're victimized, right? Like the, they were hit by a, mm. a drunk driver or robbed or something like that. You know, something, some tragedy happens. What do you say to that person who says, you know, no, it's not, it, it wasn't my fault. I'm a victim here. Right. And it's and tough, man. That's a, that's a very tough thing because yeah, something did happen to you. It's, it, that's true. But it's also true that, that you're, you're somehow involved in that situation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you were a victim. That's absolutely the truth. But taking authority of like what you could have done better is going to give you more power than sitting here saying, woe is me. Why does this always happen to me? Because when you're playing the victim role, you're nothing, everything's happening to you. Nothing happens to you. It's happening. It happens because of you. Mm. Right. And just by putting myself in that mind frame, no matter how bad that situation is, if I get robbed or whatever, I brought that to me. It happened because of me, because I wasn't aware enough. I could, why I'm never late to places. I just didn't leave early enough. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, we can make all these circumstances. There's a car crash on I 10. I, sorry, I'm late to your podcast, Jason. No, Jeff, you didn't leave early enough to get there. Mm-hmm. If the show was at 11, I could have left at 6am and been here by 7am and waited for four hours. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it forced you to think of paths to make things happen instead of sitting here like, well, the world just is out to get me. Right. Yeah, for sure. I had a mentor of mine one time tell me uh, that when you apologize for being late, what you're actually doing is you're trying to look better. Ah, and I was I like, that. Yeah, I didn't get it, man. Yeah. It didn't register. And then I realized that that's exactly what it is. I'm walking in the room. I feel bad. Right. I want to feel better about myself. Right. So I'm going to make up an excuse. You know, there was traffic, there was this, there was that. And I apologize. Mm. Nobody gives a shit. Right. They just care that you keep your word or not. Dude, I love that. I never heard it framed <laughs> in that way. I love that though. It's so true. Yeah. It is so true. But you don't think about it from that respect. No, you don't. But it's ego driven, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. You don't look any better, dude. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. The situation is that, you know, you, you, you were late on that commitment. Yeah. 
That's crazy. I've never yeah. heard it framed that way, dude. That's awesome. You're experiencing that with some of the outsourcing that you're doing, right? Yeah, like, exactly right. Where's that commitment, bro? Oh, man. It's just a lot of reading, dude. Reading mentorship for me mm-hmm. and really looking myself in that mirror and getting to the bottom, like the hard truth of saying, Jeff, like you sucked in that situation. Like it's not, it's not anybody else's fault that you didn't show up. You weren't present in that moment. Like mm-hmm. you didn't prepare enough for that situation. And I have to look at myself and like, I wasn't the person I needed to be to get the type of response that I, I wanted in that situation. So mm-hmm. it all pills back to myself. Yeah. You know, like, am I aligning myself with the right people? Am I reading the right books? Am I, you know, consuming the wrong content at wee hours of the night instead of learning something that's going to grow my mind? Am I watching something that's going to destroy my mind where I'm dreaming? I watch a movie about killing before I go to bed. What am I going to dream about? Death, destruction. Why not watch something happy, positive, you know? And so I just think about the things that I'm consuming in my life and saying, you know, like, why did I have this thought when I woke up this morning? Well, because maybe my nutrition wasn't good. I consumed this before I went to bed. This is what I was thinking before I went to bed. I went to bed with animosity. I created a story in my head about reading somebody's text and creating a story around what I thought that text meant when it meant completely something different. So what stories am I creating to then create this reality that I'm waking up into or living into? Mm, So powerful, man. So powerful. I love the way you laid that out. And I'm curious now that you're going into this new business venture, Yeah. right? Like how are you actually applying these principles now, right? You've laid out a few Mm -hmm. for us, the the storytelling, right? Mm -hmm. The self-worth issue, man. That was, that was a huge one. I know Mm -hmm. we all experienced that and you're going into this chaotic, this, this sort of unknown environment and you're Mm going to go create, but you don't know, you don't have all the answers, right? (laughs) Right. So how are these principles actually be going, going to become alive Mm -hmm. in what you're creating? God, that's a beautiful question, man. That's a really good question. For me, it's starting small is the, the best thing. I, as I've mentioned, I, I'm tr- I always try to take things out in big chunks, you know, mm-hmm. swallow the ocean, so to speak, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in one go. And, <laughs> and then, but now it's, it's chipping away and not beating myself up at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So as I'm building this new company out, I structure that one day. Today, it'd be successful if I establish the company's name. Boom, I get that lined out. And if nothing else happens for the rest of the day, I'm fine with that. I got that one task done and I'm not going to beat myself up because in the past I would have like get the company name, get it built out, do this, this launch four supplements, blah, blah, blah. And then if I didn't complete any of that, I wake up the next day like Jeff, you're a piece of shit, dude. Like now I got to catch up on everything I didn't do yesterday. Plus add everything that I need to do today. And I just keep on, kept on compounding just task after task after task. And I created so much layer of animosity at myself because I wasn't completing tasks in this fictitious timeline that I created for myself. Like mm-hmm. the products would be ready to launch when they're ready to launch. Right. <laughs> like, you know, I love that dude. You know, instead of being like, I need to get out and you're just, not trying to push everything, yeah. like force everything to happen. Right. Yeah. And the whole thing is it, it comes down to, you know, the words we say to ourselves, like a long time I'm grinding, I'm grinding. And then my sister was just say, she's like, why do you always grind? She's like, why don't you just like, let it flow? You know, just, everything's you're coasting smooth words but it it really does change your chemistry because when i'm grinding 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 that's just a such a rough act right Mm -hmm. but if you're just smooth effortless calm cruising it's relaxing you're not sitting there you're not creating this friction and so it's like it's building block by block so that's how i've been doing it i structure my day out where i align myself with five tasks maximum and the number one task is my top priority. If I finish that, the day is a win for me. 
you know, but even just waking up and just saying like, you know, my mantra, like, you know, I'm abundant, abundance flows through everything in my life, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or what is it? It said, what's my saying? Um, I just say, God, th- thank you for the abundance that's circulating in every area of my life. Uh, all my goals, needs, and desires are met instantaneously for I'm one with God and God is everything. Mm. And then it's just, Powerful. I appreciate it, man. And it's yeah. just like giving thanks and being grateful for waking up that day, mm-hmm. being healthy, being happy. So that's already a success. I start out on a win, right? And you're going bit by bit by bit. Bit by bit by bit. Stacking win on top of win. Yeah, because I don't even think about what I need to do for the day. Let's be grateful for waking up today. Let's stretch. Let me feel my body out. Mm -hmm. Let me make the bed. What's next? I'll read my book. Listen to an audio version. Relax for an hour of reading. Still not thinking about work. Go jump, take a shower. However long the shower takes, 20 minutes, whatever. Some days, 20 minutes. Some days, five minutes. Mm -hmm. Just get my thoughts together for the day of like, okay, and then go through that morning routine of like writing down what needs to, what needs to happen for that day. That number one priority. What's most important? What's going to move the day forward for me? How am I going to fulfill this day? Mm-hmm. And just chopping it out little by little, Lego blocking things. Because you know, for me, that's that's been working the best. Because as I mentioned, if, I, if I'm trying to do too much, I'm going to create so much anger and animosity towards myself because I'm not completing things. I'm not grinding away. Yeah. But the the smooth, even flow of just like bit by bit has been you know, it's extremely powerful, extremely powerful for me right now. Beautiful, man. I can completely relate to that. I know when I was, uh, and I still struggle with this to a degree, mm-hmm. I'll make a, a list that's way, way too long, yeah. you know, and the time frame is way too short. Yeah. And then it's like, it doesn't get done. And right. I pull out the hammer and I start beating myself up. Right. And you realize, right. Hey, you know what? You have 24 hours. There's only so much you can do. You got to stack this win on mm-hmm. top of that win so you can feel good about yourself at the end of the day. Right. So tell me, how long have you been doing this morning ritual? You just kind of laid it out for us. I've been doing it for about two years now. Yeah? Yeah. And I've, I've really refined it this year, I would say. Mm. Like I had pieces of it together in the past, but it was still, you know, I still created a lot of like um, junk in the way when it came to like the goal writing and all that stuff. Like it was like you mentioned, compressed timelines, but you know, compounding tasks, so essentially. And now I just finally got to a point to where I've created so much clarity in my life. Like for me, I had to step away from everything I knew, every person I knew, and just go into myself, like go into the lone wolf mode, essentially, mm-hmm. and sit back in that, that dark place and say, what is it that I want out of life, Jeff? Surround myself with family, the things I enjoy, video games, sports, family, and just retract from everything else. Not that I don't, I'm, not that I dislike anybody or communities or anything, but I had to serve, I had to feed myself. I wasn't even filling my own cup, I found out. Mm. I was just doing all the time, doing, right. doing, doing, but not for myself. It was always for, you know, I gotta make a lot of money to retire my parents so they can have the life that they always wanted to, I always wanted to give back to them what they gave to our family. Sure. So my timeline has been like, my parents are getting older. Let me make as much money as possible, as fast as possible. And this is like the, the, the process I went through. Why do I wanna make so much money as fast? Because my parents are getting older, 60, 70 years old now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I want to, I want to retire them before, like while they're still here. And so they can enjoy it. So I'm just not like building this big company, but they get to enjoy the fruits of the labor as well yeah. and show my appreciation. But then as I talk to them and tell them like my mindset, they said, we're just happy that you're doing great, that you're healthy and happy. Like we don't care about the money. Oh, so I created this story about like <laughs> retiring you this, this, and this. And you guys don't even give a shit about that. Like, you're just happy that your kids are doing good. That fulfills them. Sure. But does that story fuel you, though? That's right. the question. Yeah. And it's now it does. Does it? Yeah. At first it didn't. Now it does because it's like I'm not projecting 
my goals on it. I was projecting my goals and wants on everybody else. Mm. So I was projecting, I want my sister to make money, money. I want my dad and mom to make money. Those are all my projections. And then when I sit down and talk to them, those were all my goals. And I find out what their goals were. And it's not even close to that. How far off were you? Very far off. <laughs> very far. Because mine was, mine was all financial based, money focused. Sure. Like if we have the money financially free, like indestructible wealth is my goal. Create right. indestructible wealth. But my family, they're just like, I want to have a social life. I want to go watch the fun games. I want to go to um, these events, these social activities and just chill with the family, this and this. And like money was never the issue for them. It was, the joy. it was the joy, joy yeah. the experience and all of that. Right. And mine was just so financial based. And it's like all my projections were like, we got to get money, 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 grind, <laughs> grind, grind. And they're like, no, I just want to chill, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's funny how that happens, man. So what did you do when you realized that you were sort of projecting what you wanted on all these other people? Like how did that impact you? Oh, man. I created a lot of stress on myself doing that because mm. I could never do enough in a day to achieve that goal fast enough. Right. It but was, in their eyes, you were already you were successful. already already successful. Yeah. You know, from twenty, from the time I got out of college, or even during college, to thirty one, I I made I made a lot of money. I created the success. What people would say, like you're super successful, but I looked at myself as like I'm not even fucking close to being successful. Like this is shit. What I've created. Like I'm so lazy. Like I would tell them, I'm so damn lazy because why? We'd mention social media. Mm-hmm. This guy has this. This girl is doing this. They have a billion dollar company. I don't. Right. My parents aren't retired from what I've made. Like you're a piece of shit, Jeff. Like you've been lazy. Mm. So it created a lot of like frustration in my life by so doing I, that. But how did you change that story? man? Oh man. Just asking the right questions and getting, um, getting their perspective, mm-hmm. like sitting down with my, my every person in my family and saying, like, what is it that you want out of your life? Like, here's my, my vision of what I want and why I'm doing what I'm doing. Could you tell me your vision of what's going on? Or like what you envision is like, success in this and I would just get what they want in life and like their thoughts on me and say I think you've done amazing things you're doing this this and this and I would look past all that and say like oh I didn't even realize that about myself like I didn't know that you thought that about me because at this time I'm thinking like I'm a piece of shit (laughs) and they're like no you you're doing you're like the the you're paving the new path like you're paving the new frontier for the family creating you know new new ways of success not just following like the military route that we've gone, you're creating an entrepreneur path for our family. So you're creating new branches in the tree for us. And I never visualized that. I was just like, oh, I'm not doing enough. Right. But I had to really just sit down and talk to them and really understand what they want as a person and then what I want as a person and separate those two ideas and say, Jeff, you need to fill your cup because I was trying to fill everybody else's cup and I wasn't even doing it for myself at that point. So it turns out like the Lamborghini story, Everything I was doing was to please somebody else, yeah. and it wasn't to please myself. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Habit number seven, right? Yeah, invest in yourself, sharpen the saw, so to speak. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing how uh, stories impact our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, the stories that you made up and the pressure that it created for you to right. me is is off the charts. Yeah, and I've had that same thought, honestly, mm-hmm. because my parents have had some struggles, right? Right, and um one of my things is, you know, I want to be able to re- retire my parents and mm-hmm. I put all this pressure and this timeline on me. And the next thing I know, I feel smaller, Yes, not bigger. I feel like I'm not ever going to get there right? in some sense. Right. So I had to reframe that just like you did mm-hmm. and realize, you know what, if I don't invest in me, there's nothing for me to give. Right. You know, there's yeah. nothing in my cup to give then, Hey, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. You know, and they don't care one way or the other. Right. It was all a story I made up in my head. And it's wild how it happens without you even knowing too, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. 
for sure. I mean, it's, uh, I think this is one of the things that if, if you could real, really tear someone's head open and just give them one thing, it's yeah. just realize the stories you tell yourself are super powerful. Right. And as I'm listening to you go through your morning routine and the mantra that you put forth, man, you're starting your day, you know, with this idea mm-hmm. that things are going to flow to you that things are going to be abundant for you, right? Mm-hmm. That life is un- unfolding in your favor. Mm-hmm. And I just imagine what the world would be like, man, if, if everybody woke up and just did that little bit. Right. It's <laughs> the honest truth, man. It's funny that you mentioned that too, because I've been reading, I just read today, The Richest Man in Babylon. Oh, it's a great book. Yeah. Oh, it's a great book. It's a fast read. Don't read too. it if you're a network marketer. Right, right. <laughs> That's the honest truth, man. That book is so good. And like another one that I go to every year is The Alchemist. Mm. Have you read that one? I have, man. What's your biggest... Uh, so I've had a couple people. You're the second guest I've had on the show say, I read The Alchemist every year. Yeah. So why do you read it every year? And what's your takeaway, man? I read The Alchemist every year because it's... I think the story is so beautifully written, to be honest with you, man. Because you're taking this kid who is a shepherd and he's going through all of his journeys. He's like, why am I going to be... Why am I doing this glass shop? And like every part, every lesson along his path, he has to see like... I'm here for a, a reason. Like I have to learn this lesson. Like this is a, there's an actual purpose for what I'm going through. And then going through his entire journey of everything he went through, going, getting robbed, this thing happening, this thing happening. And then eventually coming full circle to like the treasure was always where, was where you started. That's a beautiful thing because as you're going, as I, I put myself in that shoes, like as I'm going through life, like I look at my situation like, I, uh, I should have I should have just left college. Well, you talked about it before. <laughs> yeah. I should have left college and just college started a sucks. business, right? Yeah. And I shouldn't have uh, worked at SAP or Los Amos Labs. I should have just gone full in on entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. But all of those lessons and uh, careers shaped me to the person I needed to be to be sitting here with you today, mm-hmm. to have this, to have like this type of mindset to come to these, you know, ideas about myself. Because without those experiences, you and I probably won't even know each other. We like know each other, the yeah. The butterfly sure. effect, right? Exactly. And so, like that, that story just does it so beautifully without hitting you with so much business tactics. It's just like, it's just such a great story, and the the way they wrote it out is just a, to me, it's just a beautiful story. It just it helps me think and visualize even deeper. Like what I'm going through is part of this journey, and mm-hmm. I am the creator of my own destiny. Hundred percent. No matter what is going on in my life, and like, how can you find? How can you take a jewel out of? this situation and make it work for you. Like find the value in that and enjoy that process because along your path, you're, there's nothing but treasure treasures in your life. And what you think this for me, this billion dollar treasure is, it's not the billion dollars. It's everything along the way of making that eventual goal happen. Meeting you being on this show, the people that have run across my life, the situations, those are the true treasures that I'm going to remember forever. Right. Not the money that I have when I'm sitting in a six feet under. Yeah. Your legacy you know? is about who you touch, right? Who you right. become and who you touch. Right. Yeah. There's a great scene in that book that, uh, it comes to mind. It's, uh, the part when they're in the desert, right? And they promise that the uh, war is coming. Oh yeah. And the tribesmen are coming to attack. Yeah. And their lives are on the line. Yeah. Do you remember that scene? I do. And, uh, what is it that ultimately happens? Uh, they they help the they help the clan sort of survive that attack, right? Yeah. And um, it was all about faith. Mm-hmm. All about faith, and it, and I think what you said was beautiful about coming full circle is like coming back to where you started is about having a certain amount of faith in your journey. Yeah. And realizing that life is unfolding for you. That's a, you said it perfectly, man. It's such a beautiful thing, and like there's there's a part in that book where I can't remember who it was, like the character, but. He had he had the uh, the jewels or he had the prize on him for mm. whatever, 
And then the, the guards or bandits came up to him in the middle of the desert and they said, you know, um, give us your, your prize or your jewels or whatever it is. He's like, it's in my left pocket or whatever. And it looked like they dig in his pocket, they pull it out. They're like, this isn't it. Like, this isn't the alchemist, right? It was the alchemist, right? Right. Like, this isn't the, the alchemy that we were looking for. And they just laugh at him and laugh at him. I'm like, get on your way, you know, peasant. <laughs> and they find out that was the jewel. Right. He had it with him. But since it, it wasn't what they visualized or what they thought it would look like this precious diamond or whatever it was. Yeah, they weren't ready to see it. Yeah, they weren't ready to see it. So they just bypassed it. And, and like, yeah. where you just said it, like in the book, he talks about people may have to go to the, the gym in front of them, but they may not be ready to see it or be exposed to it at that point. So they just look at it like, whatever. It's not, that's not the goal. That's not what I would need to see right now. So they bypass it. Mm-hmm. And so like thinking about that part of the book is like, what you're going through in your life, you may look at it and shun it because it may not be what you think. It's not this big shiny object, but that's the thing you need to see. Are you bypassing that moment, something that could change your life in a, in a drastic way to where you're actually looking for? Or do you just bypass it because you create this perception of what it looks like? Yeah. It's almost like that idea of becoming right. You're not the person you need to be yet to see the tools that you need to be able to use Mm -hmm. to create the life that you want to create at the end of the day. It's it's amazing. And you're right. That book does, a great job of illustrating all of those concepts without smacking you in the head with a bunch of business crap. Absolutely. Jargon, right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Cause as, as entrepreneurs, you, we're very well read. I know you're yep. very well read as well. It's like, we have all I'm of trying to keep up with you. man. Oh, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm trying to do the same with you, man. <laughs> and we have all these books and these great ideas. We, we can read those all day, but actually reading like a fictional tale about that man, that, that, that carries over to business and life. Mm-hmm it had a lot more impact because it's just not just like sho- shoving down your throat, save 10%, invest in your 401k, blah, blah, blah. Right. It has, it's just a, such a beautiful concept illustrated so, so well. Mm-hmm. And it just made you, it, it took me to another place in such a, it's a nice way. Like I'm not a, I'm not a huge fiction reader. I like a lot of the nonfiction books. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. But that book, that's like one fiction, fiction book I would recommend that. And like, you know, the, the richest man in Babylon, they they do a great job of, you know, taking life principles and applying a story to it in a magnificent way, I would say. Yeah, for sure. And they're easy reads, too. Very for anyone easy who reads. doesn't like to read, you can get through them pretty quick. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, dude, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. Thank I you, I love brother. it, man. Thank you, brother. Uh, I appreciate and, you. And I appreciate what you guys have been uh, creating with that. I know how difficult it is, yeah. you know, <laughs> the, the scheduling, the editing. Like, I know what goes into it, you know, having this podcast rolling. So, uh, so super, super appreciative for what you guys are putting out. And kudos on doing such fantastic work. But um, tell me a little bit about how that came to being and how it factors into your overall vision for what you want to create. Absolutely, man. So building that podcast was one of those things that just happened. I moved out here four years ago, the end of 2015, December 15th, 2014, I moved out here. So I would say 2015, I started. I was still in the bodybuilding scene. So I played college football um, and finished that in 2011, got into bodybuilding for three years and then moved out here and I was like still doing bodybuilding. But it hit a point to where I just got tired of doing the same workouts, biceps, chest, this, it became monotony. And I, I went from being an athlete to just being, you know, a sculptor, sculpture, you know what I mean? I wasn't, you know, abusing my body athletically. And I was like, I want to get into something that utilizes like my strength and my athleticism, like it did when I was in football. Like, what is that? Mm-hmm. So I got into CrossFit. So I looked in the website when I got out here, found CrossFit PHX in South Scottsdale. Is that when you met Michael? That's when I met Michael. Time? Yeah. So I hit him up and I, I saw the story that he had on his, his website. Okay. CrossFit looks like something that's very interesting. I've seen it on TV because the games, I think I could do this stuff. And so I email him 
He's like, sure, come on in, man. He's like, we have a class at 5 a.m. It's like, cool. I email him at like 7 at night or 8 at night. The next day I show up at 5 in the morning, get, hit that workout. And from there, I was just like, I fell in love with that, that type of intensity, that workout. I was like, I feel like an athlete again. I felt like that comp- competitive side of just like, you know, grunt, like blowing through a workout, like feeling exhausted. And I said, you know, this is the path that I want to go. So our, we started building our relationship, Durs and I, and um, having conversations like the one you and I are having now, mm-hmm. just in our off hours from like when I finished a workout or when I just dropped in the gym. And then it just so happened like one of his employees or interns was there at the, the gym one day and just heard our conversations. Like, you know, I learned a lot more in this hour of you guys talking than I've learned from going to school is that you two should start your own podcast. And a podcast has been an idea I've had since 2012 when I saw Lewis Howes and them doing it back then. Yeah. But I had no idea how to start this stuff back then. And the thing about it, I didn't even take any action to start it. It was just like, oh, I want to do that one of these days, right? Right, right. And then so, but, you know, fast forward into the meeting Durs and stuff, we had that concept where somebody said that and they're like, well, let's, let's get this thing launched. You know, let's, let's put it out there. We'll start with health, fitness, and uh, nutrition and see where we can go from there. You know, and we started at Sip Coffee on a th- triple-digit day under misters at a coffee shop, man, on three iPhones. And it was a, it was a shit show. It was a shit show, <laughs> dude. It was, but people were tuning in. They were asking questions about nutrition and all that stuff. And we're like, okay, this is cool, dude. Like, let me get the equipment. Cause I'm a tech guy. So I pull all the equipment. I did my research, mm-hmm. bought the microphones and everything the following week. And then we start shooting the show. And so as we go 13 episodes, progression, progression, we're talking about nutrition and just like little stuff. And we're like, this is not us. Like, how many times can we talk about broccoli and chicken and macros and, <laughs> you know, this and this? Like, what's going to resonate with us? Like, right. we started the show because we had conversations that were deep, that were, like, inner circle to level. Like, where you and I have, have these mindset conversations. Let's start having those conversations and exposing those to the greater audience. And so we just continued pushing that narrative out there as a broad narrative. Like, we're talking about mindset. I don't care if you're in the fitness space. We don't care if you're an entrepreneur. You work for somebody. We just want to have a dope ass conversation and understand like the person behind the company, mm-hmm. the brand and like understanding where you came from and it just continued to evolve from there, man. So, but it all started from just dropping in PHX that day and just growing that relationship because him and I had a lot of similar paths. Our, both our parents are military, both of our moms are nurses and it's just like we came from the South and it's just, like everything was like aligned. So like the synergy was there. And like, we both were just hard drivers and just wanted to grow something that, you know, resonate with the community. And as far as like, you know, where it's going to take me in the path, it was just creating that legacy, man, and helping mm-hmm. people get out of the rabbit hole, man. Because for a long time, as you mentioned, I, you go through, I went through school, high school, college, thinking this computer science and math degree is going to open the floodgates for me to make mega millions, be the next Bill Gates and this and that. And it's not that. When I peeled the story back, it's like, why was I successful in school? Why was I able to get internships and jobs? Because I became friends with my professors. Mm-hmm. I built connections. I understood who they were as people, not just like a, somebody talking to, talking at me. I talked to them. I understood what they enjoyed, what they loved. It was, it was the connection aspect of school that was fantastic. Not the, school, not the studying, not the A's and the B's. It was like meeting the people and understanding who they are. Mm-hmm. And so like, when I understood like these professors and people in my life helped me because they were able to, you know, introduce me to their network and to people that are movers and shakers in the industry. I want to do the same for other people. I want to introduce you to the people I know. I want people to, to come across your show. I want people to invest in your company, Hardwater, because what you're creating, because why the person behind the brand's amazing. It's not mm. just 
another brand. It's not just another shirt. It's not just another gym. It's a person that has deep emotion, compassion, and a vision for themselves. Mm. And like having those messages go out into the world that people can listen to and, you know, help them get out of a situation. And like, whether you're in a job, help you move up a job by doing the right things, uncovering mindset, stop worrying about what somebody else is doing, the bullshit politics, start carving yourself into the baddest motherfucker in the world and reading and surrounding yourself with amazing people. And you will move up no matter where you are in life. And those are the conversations I want people to hear because I believe in my mind, I believe everybody can be abundantly successful, wealthy. You know, I don't believe, I think I believe people can have all the money they want in the world. It's not easy, but you can have it and everybody can have it. There's no shortage of money or wealth, success, positivity in this world and everybody can have it. But it's just like, are you willing to implement the tools to achieve it? Right. percent, man. You just took them to church on that. One, <laughs> that great. I, I have nothing to add to that. That's so freaking amazing, dude. I didn't know you guys were both from the South. Where are you from in the South? Oh, my, my family's from, so my dad's from Atlanta, Georgia. Really? Yeah. And my mom's from uh, North Carolina. So she's mm. from Birmingham, North Carolina. Wow. Beautiful country out there. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Fantastic. So, um, tell me what your definition of success is, man. Ooh, definitely. Burlington, North Carolina. Excuse me, mom. Burlington, North Carolina. My bad. Yeah, I can't mess that one up. Um, my definition of success, that's a good question, dude. Oh, man. I believe it's finding, for me, it's it came down to finding my true purpose. Like, not really purpose, like my true vision for myself in this world is my definition of success because for a long time I thought it was money. I thought it was, you know, creating this huge financial, you know, uh, success like what, what's that mean mm-hmm. it means nothing it's like how many people can I positively affect in this world and like actually get them to to move the needle for themselves you know the more I've, I've gone through life and said you see people are in just in a consistent rat race and they don't know how to get out of it they don't have the time they want they don't have the money they want they don't have the success whatever it is the health and whatever it's like I want to help people figure out their situation just by being that positive light I may not give you all the the, the tools and this and this but to know that I'm at your level, like I'm going through this with you and like I would do anything in my power to help you. To me, that's what it comes to being successful, man. It's like being that person that can walk into a room and just ignite the energy to make it so positive to where everybody's smiling. I don't, I may make myself look stupid by dancing around or doing whatever, but it's not about me. Am I making this person feel good about themselves to forget about that shitty day that they had about what somebody said to them or what happened like in an accident? If I can do that and help somebody else you know, get out of their own way. That makes me happy. Right. And we talked about, you know, that, that new year's resolution thing at the gym where you see it on social media and I I can't stand it. I hate it is where, you know, you get the influx of people coming in for the new year's resolution to lose weight. And you always see the memes go up from fitness professionals, people who are supposed to be caring about others' health and seeing them success saying, here we go. Another crowded gym for the next two weeks. And then they'll all be gone. Like, isn't your job to help people and see them and help them get to the other side of what they're going through? Like, help them overcome their emotional boundaries? And you're sitting here making fun of them? Like, we've all been in that situation where it's it's intimidating to walk into a gym. Because I, personally, I came, I was 260 pounds in college and dropped down to 180 pounds. So I know the, the trials and tribulations of going, being overweight and losing weight. It's not an easy thing, mm-hmm. right? Not at all. And for somebody coming into a gym and you have all these fit people essentially making memes and laughing and taking photos. Like I love seeing people help one another. And that's what that community is about. Like success is about helping others 
visualize where they like helping them get to where they want to go in life. Right. And it's doing it without, ex- without expectation because just because if, if their goal is to, you know, look good for their wife or husband, or just to feel good about themselves, I'm all in, man. Like I'll go up to somebody who's out of shape in the gym and say, I'm so proud of you. I'm so like, you're my hero for, for standing on this treadmill and, and sitting in here today because you're, you're making that change to your life to be better somebody else. Like, keep doing what you're doing. Like, I support you. Anything you need to do, anything you need from me, anything, like, no matter the time, I'm here to help you, right? Because if we're in this community together, we're here to grow. We're here to help others along the path. It's like, there's so much, like we mentioned, there's so much abundance in this world. And the more we can help others grow and continue to help them get to where their goals are, I think the better the place to be, man, seriously. That is absolutely amazing, bro. So... Before I ask my last question, yeah. tell these folks where they can find you online. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you on having me on the show. They can find 100%. me. My personal account is I am Jeff Thornton, and that's T-H-O-R-N-T-O-N, Thornton, last name. JeffreyThornton.com, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, Thornton.com. So that's my personal stuff. Uh, if you want to connect to the podcast, it's Feed Me, Fuel Me, and it's on social media. Everything's at Feed Me, Fuel Me. So hit us up anytime there, man. Like, like I said, anytime you guys need to connect with me, like... Hit me up anytime. Jeff at JeffreyThornton.com is my email. My number is 610-283-0022. Drop me a text. Say what's up. And if you're on the Valley or any place, let's connect. And anything you need from me, let me know. Thank you for that. Last question, my friend. What does wellness mean to you? Oh, that's a great question. I, I believe wellness is all-encompassing in all areas of life. So wellness in not only your physical body, but spiritual body, your mental, uh, spiritual family, um, social, it's having that, that complete ecosystem together. A lot of times in my life, I found myself so out of balance in so many areas, relationships, um, social dynamics, all that stuff. I've been so out of balance because I've been so focused on business and money that I wasn't a complete person. So well, and it wasn't, that wasn't true wellness. Yeah. I had a fit body. Yeah. I was making money. I was had a successful business, but my wellness was out of shape because all the other areas of my life were so atrophied. So wellness is to me, it's just like having, I don't, there's no such thing as complete balance, I believe, but having as much balance as you can to have like all areas fulfilled to where you can truly give back and help others, man, and help yourself, help yourself so you can give back to others. You know, to me, that's true wellness in all areas of life. Thank you for that, brother. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Guys, if you don't know Jeff, be sure and check him out. He has an abundance of fantastic energy, a lot of depth, as I'm sure you heard on this show. Be sure and hit him up. And until then, we'll see you guys in the next episode of Hardwater Radio. Take care.